listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a decree in Jacob, and he appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Amen. Hey, everybody. It's good to see you. Good to see you there, those who are here. Good to see those who are with us digitally today. As, uh, as Carol was saying earlier, this kind of completes our series, Then Sings My Soul. I'm actually a little sad that it's ending. I, I've, really, I've really enjoyed it. And I'll admit, it is a little indulgent. I have picked songs that I like to hear and that mean, are meaningful to me. And so, you know, I've been preaching on them. But uh, it's, it's, a powerful, it's a powerful form of communication. The Psalms aren't just prayers, they're songs. And songs bear, bear us up in ways that, that uh, words alone uh, can't. You know, thinking about what it's like to live in a, in a COVID-inflicted uh, world, there is a lot of communication that I think is lacking. Like, typically, if I'm at the college or if I'm around town and I pass someone, I would smile at them. Except when I'm wearing a mask, uh, smiling doesn't do so much good. Right? You, can't, you can't tell what my face is doing. So our, our forms of communication, some of our communication that I think is most important is actually nonverbal. Like when you, when you see someone smile or you see their, their brow kind of, you know, furrow up uh, out of concern. Or if someone sheds a tear, whether they're sharing a tear because of their own grief and sadness or whether they're share, shedding a tear because they're shedding a tear on your behalf. It speaks volumes, right? Um, St. Simeon, the new theologian, said, without tears, there is no salvation, that the tear is the ultimate sign of the contrite heart. It's not just the words we say, right? It's something that goes beneath our words, beyond our words, places that our words can't seem to fit. So as we, as we do come to the end of this series, though, I'd just like to say a few things about, about how we do series here at Oasis. This is kind of pulling back the curtain a bit. Hopefully this isn't disenchanting. Like, I like to eat sausage, but I don't really want to see how sausage is made. You know what I'm talking about? 
So, but, but I do want to say a few things. So every week for months and months and months now, we have been producing a worship companion. Now, you may or may not be very familiar with the worship companion, but when we release the service digitally, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or, or Twitter, there's a link to the worship companion. And it, is, it kind of serves, in some ways, the way the, the bulletin used to serve except that the bulletin was more just about announcements. It was just like a written form of the community update. The worship companion is much more than that. It has the lyrics to the songs. It has the scripture that we read for the call to worship. It has the scripture that we read for the service, like today, Psalm 78. We'll be getting there in just a minute. And today, it also has uh, a construction uh, apple. So if you are... Uh, with us digitally, I encourage you to kind of open up the worship companion, or with you all, when you get home, or if you're savvy enough to do it on your devices, there's, there's a construction project out of construction paper for those folks to make themselves an apple. All of you who are with us here today have, have one of these things. It's an actual apple, and we're giving it to you today because our song for today, as we heard so beautifully rendered, by Austin and Laney, is Teach Your Children by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. And it, it has a message for us. And, it, and part of that message is that all of us are teachers. Now, I'm not exactly sure where the origin came of you should give your apple, or you should give your apple, you should give your teacher an apple, but it, it, is, it is a practice. Uh, I'm, I'm a teacher, you all know that, that's my profession. And occasionally throughout the years, I've had a student bring me an apple. And I thought, man, how traditional is that? I, I loved it. You know, I really kind of uh, I relished in the idea that, that, hey, I got the apple. Yay. So I want each of you to have an apple. And I want you to have this apple because, again, I want you to see yourself as a teacher. Because as the song says, we teach our children. And in some ways, too, we also teach our parents. And that has, that has something to say for us. There's one last thing before we move on that I wanted to say about the worship companion. And that is, in addition to the lyrics to the songs and the scripture for the call to worship and the scripture that we'll be preaching on, there, and, and additional things like uh, what we might typically use as, as a handout or a, or a response in the service, we try to have something similar available for those who are attending digitally. It also has the words of the prayers of the people. The prayers of the people, uh, we, have a, we have a team that kind of plan our Sunday services. And, and uh, Leslie Howard in particular, we wanna, I want to publicly thank her, is our primary kind of architect of these prayers of the people. But the prayers of the people, this is how they get formed. Like, you know that we're following the Revised Common Lectionary. Like, we, we follow an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage, a psalm, and something from the Gospels. And that's what kind of guides our preaching schedule. Like, we're coming, we're coming close to the end of the year. In a few weeks, we're going to be kind of launching into Advent. We're already kind of starting the toy drive for, for Parker Street. And so even in this series of... Then sings my soul. Our, our, while we've been preaching about some songs, we haven't just been meandering according to Robbie's stream of consciousness. Although that could, worse things could happen, I think. But that's, we haven't been doing that. Like 
These texts, like Psalm 78 that we're speaking about today, and I'll reference the Old Testament passage too about, that comes from Joshua, are, are texts that, that collectively all these different Christian groups have been following. And the prayers of the people, this is how we start. We look at those texts, and we try to say, what is God saying to us through these passages of Scripture? And then, typically, it's me. I'm choosing one of those to focus on in a sermon. And then we're talking about, at the, end of the, at the end of the service on Sunday, what would we like people to kind of take away with them? What do we want them to take home? Like, as they think about that scripture, as God speaks to them through it, as they go throughout their week, what, what should they have? And that's how those prayers get shaped they're, they're designed to be not just a pastoral prayer. It's not just me kind of praying for you. But it's, it's, the, it's the prayers of the people. It's the, it's, the, it's the community's response to the word of the Lord. And so I know you hear them every Sunday, and I know they're very beautifully written. But I don't, I don't want the kind of the beauty of it between the, the, the singing and, and, the, and the reading and what it says for it to be lost on what those things actually are. They are kind of, they are from and for Oasis Community Church as our response to God's word and what God is saying to us this week. And so when those times come that you can, we say, if you have, if you have a prayer need or if you have a thanksgiving, let it be known. I, w- I would like for you to, to definitely feel free to do that. Just, just speak it out. The folks, the folks. I'm not. I'm not trying to chastise you. Teach your children. Rah, 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 here it comes. <laughs> the folks. The folks online seem to be a little better at it than the than the folks than the folks you know live. Like we don't maybe don't want to speak out. Like mm, that, maybe I wouldn't do that. And sometimes I've noticed some of you. I've seen you in here, and then I've looked at the digital feed, and you typed in <laughs> you typed in your prayer request, which is fine, which is fine, right? But we do want to say that and. Because, oh, I almost forgot, because our digital world is not quite as, as precise as we'd like it to be, sometimes some of those prayer requests hit the live feed um, after the, the prayers of the people. And we did have a couple of prayer requests come through that I, I wanted to share with you. Uh, Kim Childs is in the hospital with heart problems, and we want to pray for uh, Pat and Rosie King and their family, Pat's uncle. Eldon Kennan lost his life to COVID last week. So that's, that's two different people um, that we know in our community or just in our extended community who, who died of COVID this week. Um, the, the other one that was mentioned is, is the mother of a, of a very close friend of my daughter, Hannah. She's a nurse. She was a nurse. She's my age. She had no previous conditions. We're just kind of living kind of in our own hell right now, it seems like. And that is part of what this song talks about. Teach your children well. Those of you who are on the road, you need to have a code to live by, right? You have to have a way to get on. But, but you should teach your children you should feed your children on your dreams. And the one that they pick, as you're feeding them on your dreams, the one they pick might not have been the one that you thought was the one that's best for them. 
But that's the way you'll know. And, and you, don't, you don't have to kind of decipher it all. You're not going to always agree. Like, even in that first stanza, the, as it's speaking to the older generation, it's saying, like, you made some choices. And maybe some of those choices that you've made are not quite the choices your parents would have made for you. There's a commercial uh, that I've seen a lot on TV uh, lately. Seems like the same commercials are coming on over and over and over and over. I don't, I don't know if that's a, a COVID thing or not, but I seem to see them a lot. It's for an insurance company. And it's saying, like, as you get older, you have to be responsible and buy insurance. But as you get older, what happens is you kind of become your parents. And we want to prevent you from becoming your parents, as though becoming your parents is like a bad thing. And it, it, says, it says things like this. It says, like, a guy's there, and he's, he's going to coach us so that we don't become too much like our parents. And he says, um, now, when you go into a theater or into a public space like a restaurant, you should turn your phone on silence. And there's this one lady says, my phone doesn't have silence. And he goes, like, no, no, no. They all have a silence, and it's all right here. <laughs> and then there's, he's in, like, a living room, and he's looking at a couch that's just packed full of pillows, and he's like, if you have so many pillows that there's no place to sit down, that's too many pillows. I actually, yesterday afternoon, I went into the family room thinking I would sit on the couch to watch a, to watch a football game. And it's covered with pillows. I'm like, I'm actually living this. I'm like moving the pillows over to try and find a seat. And I, I shouldn't pick on Angela. I mean, I definitely, my, my parents have, have been gone to be with the Lord now for a number of years. Um, I mean, more than like half my life practically my, since, since, my, since my dad passed. And I do feel like, like whatever was planted in me by my parents is somehow time-released, right? It's not like it just came out at the beginning. It's down in there somewhere. And as I get a little older, I turn, I turn 50 next year, and here it comes, Boom, there's my dad. And I'm like, ooh, what happened? Where did that come from? I haven't seen him in decades, and yet here it is. And as now, I, I have, of course, I have lots and lots of children of all ages, but I also have adult children. So, you know, my oldest is, is turning 30 this year, which seems almost impossible. I mean, mathematically impossible, since I'm only 35. Um, like, how does that happen, Right? And, and what does it mean? It's so, the, the relationship is so very different. So in the Old Testament passage uh, for today, we didn't read it, but it's a story that's pretty familiar. It's Joshua, and he's telling the people to remember their ancestors. And he doesn't just go back to Father Abraham. He goes back to fa- the granddaddy, Terah, Abraham's father. He says, remember uh, our ancestor Terah and his two sons, Abraham and, and Nahor. Nahor, I think. However you say that again. N-A-H-O-R. Yeah. Like, it's not even just going back to Abraham. It's going back to Abraham's dad and Abraham's brother. So it's not just father Abraham. It's grandpa uh, Terah and uncle Nahor, right? And what does it say about them? It says... They didn't worship our God. They worshiped other gods. So granddad worshiped some other God. Father Abraham worshiped some other God. Like, I don't think they told me that. 
Somebody left that part out of the story. Not, not, not out of the Bible. It's in there. Obviously, we're quoting Joshua here. But that's not the story that's typically told, right? But then Abraham, God called Abraham, and Abraham came, and he served God. And then God called Moses and used Moses to call the, the, the Hebrews who were slaves out of Egypt. And they're living in the land, they're getting ready to live or are living in the land of Canaan, and there are lots of gods that are there. There's all these sorts of regional gods. There's the gods of the Egyptians, and there's the gods of the Assyrians, and later there'll be the gods of the Babylonians and the Greeks and the Romans. And we could always serve some other god. We could always be kind of persuaded to bow our knee to some system or some way of being in the world. But Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people respond positively. They say, well, us too. Where else are we going to go? Look at all that God has done. And, and Joshua is not, he's not too quick to, to agree with them. He's like, I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't know if you will or not. Our God's a jealous God. Are you really ready to make your commitment? And they're like, yeah, we are. And then he's, he's like, all right then. Let's, let's make that covenant. And then, then we have the psalmist. And in the psalm, the psalmist is referring kind of back to all of that experience. And I, I, don't, I don't preach from psalms very often, but I do want us to turn, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Psalm 78. Psalm 78, uh, <clears throat> Leslie just read this for us, but give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. There, there, is a, there is a lesson to be learned here. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Oh, now I'm kind of interested. Ooh, what's a dark saying? This is an old, mysterious thing. Things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell, we will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He has established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children, the children of those children who have yet to even be born, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. One of the challenges, I think, in Christian communities is that we imagine that discipleship is basically producing some kind of carbon copy of ourselves. But that's not really discipleship. We're not, we're not producing protégés. We're kind of raising children. And I, I don't just mean that biologically. I mean that kind of spiritually. That the faith is not something that just kind of plopped down on top of us like Isaac Newton's apple fell from the tree. But the faith was given to us. We've received it. It's not something that we did. We didn't so much have to take it, 
as we just had to receive it. And that came from generation to generation. And we could all tell a story. We could tell our own testimonies of our mom or our dad or a pastor or a youth pastor or a teacher or a coach or a director or, you know, somebody in our life that modeled for us the faith. We knew how to live because we saw them do it. There's an old adage that says more is caught than taught, right? Or a picture is worth a thousand words. That, that kind of life example. All of those things, <clears throat> those aren't just empty platitudes. They're, they're actually speaking to a truth that we learn, we learn from things that we do. We didn't look at this song, although we almost did, maybe next year. But the old Cats in the Cradle, kind of a horrible song and a lovely song, right? It's the father who's too busy for the son. And then the son, when the father finally gets interested in the son, years later, the son has learned, right? Has learned from the father that I've got other things to do besides these family relationships. I, and he doesn't have time for them. It's a tragedy, really. But that's just the point. We learn so much from what we see, not just from what we hear, which is why it's so important for us to realize that when we're teaching others, we're not just teaching them by what we're saying. We're teaching them by what we're doing. And these, these times, tough times, are the times where that can really, really shine through. And this is true, too, that while we might like to just pass on this really pristine teaching, right, this really pristine practice, like this is what it means to know God and this is what it means to love God. It's always kind of taking shape in, in our particular context, in our particular struggles, so that our children, it's not going to look exactly the same for them. And part of what this song by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young is, I think, teaching us is that we need to have space for that. There's that line, our father's hell was, was, how does it go, was long or slow. It took some time. So we have the capacity for empathy, but, we'll, but we don't quite know what it was like for them. So maybe I would like to say, like, the way my parents articulated their faith, there's a lot of that that I want to hold on to, but there's some of that that I think, oh, well, that's, that's not me. But nevertheless, they are me. Like, <clears throat> I wish I could find a, a way to communicate this to you as clearly as I see it. But we are connected to one another. We are interconnected to one another in ways that we don't even kind of fully see or appreciate. I mean, it happens. I mean, I think if we could see into the spiritual part of reality, we would see the ways in which we are part of one another. Like, just in the words that we use. Like, with, with my family and my friends, they'll start using a new word, and then I'll start using it, right? Right? So I pick up vocabulary from them, and that vocabulary is somehow connected to points of view. It's connected to emotions. It's connected to feelings. And, and so I'm starting to kind of share with them. 
And it's not just that. It's not just on the emotional and spiritual level. It's actually on the physical level. Like, I breathe out. That's when I breathe out, part of that, whatever that is that I'm breathing out, a little bit of oxygen, a little bit of carbon dioxide, hopefully no germs. We're wearing our mask today, right? But that used to be in me. And if you're near me and you breathe in, then part of what used to be in me is now in you. That's a little gross, isn't it? Sorry, I apologize. But that is why we wear masks during uh, a pandemic. Because whatever might have been in me that was potentially dangerous to you, I want it to stop right here and not get out there. But we are, we are connected. We are connected physically. We are connected emotionally. We are connected psychologically. We are connected spiritually. And what I'm hoping is that a revelation of seeing just how deeply we are actually connected to one another would give us a sense of unity and a sense of space for one another. That we could teach our children. uh, Let me, I want to get it just right. You who are on the road, that's the older ones of us, must have a code that you can live by, and so become yourself, right? You're not, you're not a carbon copy of, of your, the previous generation. You are your version of your generation because the past is just a goodbye. Teach your children well. Their father's hell did slowly go by. Feed them on your dreams, the one they picks, the one you'll know by. Don't ever ask them why if they told you you would cry so just look at them and sigh and know that they love you. So we, we feed that generation on our dreams. I have a dream. I have, I have a dream for Oasis. I have a dream for me, for my family. I have a dream for our country. That, that we would embrace the great commandment. That we would love God with all our whole, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that we would love our neighbor as ourself. You're never going to go wrong when you prefer your neighbor. It's always going to be okay. Jesus never said, love a religion. He did say, love your neighbor. That's who we are. And as for me and my house, and whether that means the Waddells or whether that means oasis, I want us to be a people who do just that. But I also want to have enough wisdom to realize that we're not just replicating ourselves, but that we're handing on to a new generation. So listen to this. And you of tender years, and you realize that we're all both of these, right? We're all both those who've been on the road in relationship to younger ones, and we're also ones of tender years in relationship to our older ones. Does that make sense? Right? We're all we're, we're in our own generation, but we relate to the one before us and to the one after us. You of tender years can't know the fears that your elders grew by. We don't, we don't know how the depth of what shaped them. So I think of my grandparents who 
were alive during the Great Depression. And I, and I think about the, the food insecurity that they were facing. And then I think about my, my grandparents when I knew them, and they were retired and older, and in their basement was all this canned food, like enough to feed an army. Like, why? We called her grandmother. I know that's a little formal. I think my mom was a little pretentious, but anyway, we'll forgive her for that. Everybody else called her mamaw, except for my sister and I, who called her grandmother. <laughs> Very atypical for mountain folk. But anyway, in grandmother's basement are all these uh, jars, right? It's called canning. All these jars. And they're full of all this food, vegetables and fruits. And it's, it's prepared in such a way that it can keep, uh, apparently, indefinitely, I guess, just into, you know, perpetuity forever and ever. And I'm like, why do we have all this food? It's like, it's like ridiculous. No one needs this much food. But I don't know. I couldn't have known. I mean, I can be empathetic, but I couldn't have fully known what it was like for her as a child in the Depression to experience food insecurity. I mean, let me tell you, canning is not easy. I have broken many a green bean. You know, break and peel and break and peel. And you rip those things, right? And you stuff them down in there and you have the water and the salt and whatever else she wants in there. And for those of you who haven't done canning, it's, it's in a glass jar. It's got this little, it's that little um, metal lid that goes across the top that has the little button that goes up and down, right? So if it's popped up when you buy your jar at the grocery store, you realize it's been open and it might not be good. But if it's still down, the expiration date holds. So it's up initially and you've, you've screwed on the lid you stuck it in the pressure cooker, and after you've cooked it for a while, it's gotten so hot. So then as it cools down, the metal of the lid constricts, and that little, that little top bit pops down, right? It seals. Man, like we've, <clears throat> we've moved on to the next thing. Now we're canning beets, right? But the green beans have been taken out of the pressure cooker, and they're, they're in this, you know, long shelf of cabinet of things. And you hear the pop of the seal. And grandmother's like, praise the Lord. And then a little bit later, a couple pop. She's like, thank you, Jesus. And then a little later, several pop. It's like several come in a row. And we're Pentecostal, so she spoke in tongues. But it was, it was an excitement, right? That, that something, that provision was going to be there. So having... no. I don't see everything the way she did. But I do share the same faith. And, and I hope to kind of pass that on to my own children and to you. You have tender years. You can't know the fears that your elders grew by. So please help them with your youth they seek the truth before they can die. Teach your parents well. Their children's hell will slowly go by. And feed them on your dreams, the one they picks, the one you'll know by. Don't ever ask them why if they told you would cry. So just look at them and sigh and know that they love you.
weeks ago, as we plan our services weeks and weeks ahead, I knew we chose last week's He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, and this week's Teach Your Children. Long before we knew kind of the results of any election. And I think these messages speak to us in ways regardless of who had won an election. That last week, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. She ain't heavy, she's my sister. Their welfare is my welfare. I care for them because they're mine. Like, I don't want any of you to say to me about, Robbie, your church at Oasis. I want you to say our church. When you speak of Oasis, I want you to say this is my church. These are my people. These are where I belong. This is where I belong. And I want you to, I want you to feel that way about one another but I, I also want you to feel that way about your neighbors. They're your neighbors. It's your family. It's your coworkers. Those are your strangers. <laughs> That's kind of a funny thing to think of, as the stranger as being your stranger. But that's the one you're called to care for. And then this week, teach your children... And be open to being taught by your children. Children, teach your parents well. Have some space for, for generational differences. Have some space for some political differences. Have some space for all those kind of differences. I think that's the gospel. When we try to codify our faith and then pass it on, it, it becomes more like Saul's armor that we're trying to put onto David. When, when we we miss our attention to holiness and we end up f focusing on morality. We get these kinds of lists of do's and don'ts that reflect a, a lower form of the holiness that we're actually after. And holiness and morality aren't disconnected, but they're also not the same thing. And as we seek to follow God, we have to seek to follow God. That's not disconnected from where we've come from, but it is open to where we're going. And Scripture, I think, teaches us this. In Deuteronomy, it's like, hey, keep those eunuchs out. In Isaiah, it's like, hey, invite those eunuchs in. In the, in the tabernacle or later the temple, if you were lame or, or blind or deaf, you were, you were not allowed in. And that's why you see all these stories in the New Testament about these people who are sitting outside because they're lame. And Peter and John come up and say, 
silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. Rise up and walk. And where do they go? Into the temple. So often when Jesus heals someone, what does he say? Go present yourself to the priest. Because these aren't simply stories about healing. They are stories about healing. But they're not simply stories about healing. They're also stories about inclusion. About opening the door wider. About realizing that God made everyone and loves everyone. That Jesus died for everyone. And that everyone is invited to the table. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.